Hi, this is Brett, and welcome to the Carpenters Union. As we discussed last time, the Israelites would kick off their campaign against Jericho in a very strange way. Interestingly, the plan given to Joshua by the captain of the Lord's armies would not be questioned. Furthermore, the plan would include several tasks that would be in violation of Torah law. For these reasons, many Bible scholars believe that this captain, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord, actually remained for a while with his people. And that is why his orders were never challenged. Furthermore, the Torah laws, the regulations and rituals that point to the Lord were no longer in play because the Lord himself was actually present with them. He was in the house, as it were. We tied these findings together wonderfully to the benefits that one reaps when living in the Spirit-filled life with Christ ever present in their lives as a believer. But what's the deal with marching around the city? Well, as we continue our study of Joshua chapter 6, we will hammer out some answers to these questions and discover more things as well. So, dear Jesus, we ask that you just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, knowledge, insight, and understanding. Lord, help us find application of your word to our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we realize the continual presence of the Lord in our lives, we are less apt to question his guidance, question his orders, as it were, in our lives. Furthermore, as we walk under the continual influence of the Spirit, His presence remains in our lives and we no longer need to live a life of rules and regulations, religiosity. We're set free from dead and dry religion because we experience His life-giving presence in our lives day by day and minute by minute. As I noted before, why celebrate the shadow of Christ when Christ is actually present. As a result, instead of having to obey biblical laws and principles, we want to obey biblical laws and principles. This is a response to our love for the Lord. It's not a got-to perspective, but it's a get-to perspective. So, as we continue in Joshua chapter 6, let's pick up in verse 6, shall we? So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Verse 8, After Joshua spoke to his people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the Ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Continuing in verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark, 
blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the Ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. They followed this pattern for six days. Verse 15. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the town. So what about this Jericho walk? What would God be up to? Is it only to benefit his people? Perhaps maybe he's still trying to convey something to the people of Jericho too. Specific to his people? Well, off the top, I can say this. He's preparing them in a few different ways. First, examining those big walls and the impossibility of bringing those walls down. I'm sure he was teaching those people how to realize the enormity of the situation that they were in. Instilling in them that it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, would say the Lord. There has to be a big problem before there can be a big solution. The next thing he was teaching them was patience. Perhaps you think in your life, God is taking longer to work things out than what you really want. Well, he is working out patience in your life. He could be working out something in you and perfecting you, or he may be working on other people and perfecting them. Know this, your patience will be rewarded. Hebrews 6.10, it reads, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. His agenda is to perfect the matter, whether he perfects the situation or he perfects the people in the midst of the situation. And he does this before bringing down the wall. The next thing is, he's working on discipline. He instructs them to keep quiet, Stay cool, control their tongue, which is a great test of self-control. Our tongues can get us into so much trouble. I'm reminded of the scriptures that states, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In exercising a silent approach, it does give us greater opportunity to examine our own hearts so as to better align them to the nature of Jesus. And what about the people of Jericho? Well, I believe the Lord is still providing them a witness. God is giving them yet more time to repent. He gave them 400 years, Genesis 15. 40 more years while marching in the wilderness. Six more days. Six more laps. They can see the solemn tranquility and peace and order demonstrated by these Israelites. When people see our patience, tranquility, and peace in our homes and in our relationships and in our lives and how they are ordered in such a good way, well, they would be drawn 
to that same way of living as well. Or they would shut themselves up and distance themselves from us, just like the people of Jericho did. If we embrace the perspective that the Lord is present in this walk, some of the points above have even greater meaning. If he is present in our lives, that helps us to not get overly focused on the obstacles and Jerichos set before us. If he is present in our lives, time is no longer a factor. The eternal king is with us, and our timeline and agenda can be suppressed with greater ease as we yield to his timeline and his agenda. If he is present in our lives, our words are not our primary attribute. It is our silence and actions that will speak louder than our words. If he is present in our lives and we are walking with him in a solemn way, he is more visible to others. As John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. When we get out of the Lord's way, when we let people see more of him and less of us, well, more of his love and his grace can shine through. And we are adding value to the following truth found in Philippians 2. Verse 9, it would say, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As I round off this chapter, let me continue in verse 17. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made of silver, gold, bronze, iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to his two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. And the men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. And they moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house, because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua invoked this curse. Quote, May the curse of the Lord fall upon anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. 
At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. Verse 27, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. What is sad is that this very curse was fulfilled later on in 1 Kings chapter 16. Hiel lost both his oldest and youngest son in the process. Very, very tragic. The curse imposed on Jericho by Joshua that would later on be fulfilled hundreds of years later has very strong application. There is a principle that exists in the kingdom of God and in the lives of many people I've known throughout the years where God knocks down walls and sometimes people choose to rebuild them. And when they do, they pay a very high price. Perhaps a wall of bitterness and unforgiveness existed between you and someone else, and the Lord did a miraculous work and tore down that wall. But after a while, maybe we say, "Mm, I'm not ready to forgive them after all. Hand me a brick. And then we start rebuilding that wall. Folks, don't undo what God has done. Don't rebuild what God has destroyed. If you do, something is going to die. There will be a price to pay. What dies? Not sure, but something certainly will die. It could be trust, respect, honor, love, relationships. Let it not be any of you. Well, thanks again for joining me today here at the Carpenters Union. I truly pray that what was discussed today is something applicable to you in your life. And I pray that you continue to walk in the presence of Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Until next time, I pray that his face continually shines upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.